Ron and Anian. You just wonder what's the caliber and level of skill set in that dealership that yeah, will just leave extra screws lying around. That's extra parts. You know, maybe that's the theory. Maybe if you go back to the dealership enough times, you have enough parts left over, you can build a whole nother car. Doctor, the truth is, it came out to almost twelve, thirteen hundred dollars worth of an upsell, all off of a free airbag recall. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since nineteen ninety one, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hello and welcome. Ron and and the Car Doctor here. 855-560-9900 the Car Doctor phone number. As always, as we kick off today, our 25th year of radio broadcasting, talking about automobiles and solving problems for all of you across America today. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Happy to be here, proud to serve and help you in any way that I can solve your automotive problem. And it's nice to be back here on the New Year's uh, weekend edition of the Car Doctor as uh, we were off last week. I was stuck at the North Pole last week. I don't know if anybody caught that, but um, I was helping the big guy in the in, in the red suit and the uh, sleigh um, get his act together, and uh, I got trapped up there. Boy, they have so much snow. I don't know about this uh, global warming thing, but there's enough snow up there to make you think that um, they could export it and probably cover uh, everywhere from Florida all the way up uh, north through New Jersey and out west past California. They cover the country. they got so much snow up at the North Pole. I wonder, I don't know where to start this story. And a true story, it was just, just today. I was I was out having breakfast, you know, my, my, my weekend routine, I... Uh, you know, I always go out for uh, early breakfast um, on show day and uh, kind of just relax and unwind. And um, I, I like the little deli that I go to. It's 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 really Americana. It's a cross section of everybody and everything. And the conversation of automotive comes up, and uh, I, I get to listen in on conversations. And I also have conversations directed at me because when you're the when you're the mechanic uh, per se, you're 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 that guy. And. It was interesting. One of the one of the regulars was telling me now a couple of weeks ago he had had a conversation with me. His late model 2010 um, Buick had a problem with the backup camera and it didn't work. And I said to him, listen, before you go anywhere and try to, uh, you know, spend any kind of money, why don't you go in and get an hour's diagnosis? Have somebody diagnose the backup camera and because he still had some warranty and he was trying to decide, you know, should he fix it? Shouldn't he? And so on. Why don't you have somebody diagnose the backup camera, do an overall stick out your tongue and say, ah, and see what kind of shape the vehicle's in, and then, you know, decide, are you going to fix it, or are you just going to drive it with the backup camera not working? He took it in, this 2010 Buick, and uh, I think it's a LaCrosse is the version of what it was, and he came to me today and he said, here's what happened. I said, sure, go ahead. Uh, It needed a backup camera. Well, he didn't have the backup camera diagnosed because it turned out that it also needed some brakes, it needed four tires, and he needed about $700 worth of general service that he hadn't done because he'd been driving this car for five years, and he hadn't spent any money on it except paying it off. And the numbers, when they added up, including the final camera repair, he said he was about $3,300 all in for tires, brakes, some fluids maintenance, and then the additional, the camera, I think, was about 
$800 worth of, of that $3,300. So he looked at me and he said, you know, I thought about it and I decided to trade the car in. And I wasn't surprised because I think there's a threshold that all of you hit. And I'm not sure. It, it's different, I guess, for different people in different parts of the country. But there's a threshold where people will say, some say 5000 isn't enough, and some say 500 is too much to maintain a car, to repair a car, to the point of where they'll get rid of it. And I'm still trying to figure out where that is. And and, and that's what this this open is really about. Where is that threshold? What is your threshold? And and how do you come to that? Because I'm really trying hard to understand it. Because here's a car that was perfectly good, a 2010, a five-going-on, six-year-old car with 45,000 miles on it that was all paid for, no debt, and it needed tires, brakes, and some service. And, okay, you drove the car for five years. You, you drove the car, you, you got to put money into it. I mean, there's no – because here's the side I don't get. I don't want to spend any money on this car. He went out and spent $26,000 on a three-year-old used car that in two years, guess what? It's going to need brakes, tires, fluids. It's going to need the same thing that the car that he bought knew that he knows the exact history on needed. It's going to need. And I keep thinking to myself, and we let these people vote and reproduce. It's like, how does this happen? How how can we not? Maybe Trump is right with regards to debt. Maybe we just don't see it. Maybe we all just think spending more money is the way to get out of the problem of not having enough money. There comes a point in an automobile where it's diminishing return. But if you're within the sound of my voice, whether it's live or podcast or delayed broadcast or however you're picking up this radio show, you really got to have a conversation in your head. What is it costing you to drive that car per mile? Because nothing's for free. There's no free lunch in this world. And when it comes to an automobile, that car is costing you money sitting in the driveway going nowhere. It's still aging. It's still breaking down by component, by environment by the way it's being treated you know what life's too short i get that part and i get that we all want to have shiny new cars and we all don't want to spend any money i understand all that but the reality is when you're talking about an automobile there are a couple of rules that are absolute number one you can't drive it for free you may get away with it for a couple of three four years but somewhere down the line, the Grim Reaper is sitting there going, yeah, and it's it's going to make you pay for that at some point. The other thing that's an absolute is the road is a very unforgiving place. And if you don't do your due diligence now and repair that car now, that car is going to put you on the side of the road and create an even bigger problem. And that's what you've got to think about. Are you able to understand the advantage of maintenance. Do you understand the advantage of maintenance done properly? Or are you going to sit there with your head stuck in the sand going, nope, I don't need to take care of this car. I paid a lot of money for it to find a lot, and I'm just going to drive it the way it is until it breaks. Define that for me. 
And we're going to look at that this year because I want to really understand how you're thinking. And if you have any comments, I want to hear them from you. Send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. And let's, let's have a conversation about it. I want to see how do you, the consumer, think in terms of automobile maintenance? Or is it really, listen, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just old. Maybe I'm archaic. Maybe it's time for me to go. You know, maybe it really is drive the car five years, throw it away. Who cares? Don't spend any money on it. Pass the problem on to the next guy. I don't think so because I don't think that's practical. I don't think we're able to do that because sooner or later, somewhere down the line, somebody's still got to fix it no matter how old it is. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to talk to you about your automobile, solve your problems, and make you feel better about it. Maybe that opening didn't make you feel better about it, but I'm sure as heck hoping I got you to think about it a little bit because that's what this radio show has been about and will continue to be about, that it's really all about looking at the car and understanding as much as you can absorb and making you really take care of it so we can take care of you so you're safe on the road. The road, as I said before and as I've said many times over the past 25 years, is a very unforgiving place. I've got an article in front of me. I'm going to comment about it later on this hour. I want to talk a little bit about AAA announcing their roadside battery service, and I've got a couple of thoughts on that, too. So we're going to talk about that this hour. We're also going to take your calls at 855-560-9900. I'm Ron and Annie in the car, Doctor. Let me pull over and take the pause. We'll be back right after this. Dedicate that open to Diane, who we know is a longtime listener of The Car Doctor, and she appreciates hearing Elvis uh, as a billboard, as an in-and-out. So uh, we send that out to Diane. She's uh, always sending us emails and always has a lot of questions, and we thought we would uh, give her a little Elvis shot there as uh, we kick off this hour of The Car Doctor, or this segment of The Car Doctor. Sorry, I'm Ron Anian, The Car Doctor. Harry. Yes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Ron. Oh, did you have a nice New Year's? I did have a nice New Year's. Did you do anything exciting? Well, actually, I did. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's amazing technology. Um, I actually watched that movie Wally over Skype over my computer with the love of my life. Oh boy, who is not here? And it's just amazing how can, how can that I, all works. Can I point something out? Yeah, point it out. Maybe she's the love of your life because she's not here. <laughs> Jeez, I think that might be the first time I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> oh, and I did. And since our, well, our the first big news caller, this, the big news this week is before we talk about our first caller. Yeah, the big news this week is you did a five k run yesterday. I did a five k. I've dropped uh, twenty six pounds and uh, getting svelte. You know, you and I uh, did my first five k. I walked, yeah. jogged, ran it, but you know, at sixty one years old, I only had three goals: don't finish last, don't die of a heart attack, right. And uh, enjoy myself, and that's what I did. You know, we could have the ad agency talk to Subway. They're looking for a new spokesperson. Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah, okay. Let's yeah. Uh, let's move on. So yeah. who, do you, who do you got for me on line one? Well, uh, on line one is Bill in Brighton, Michigan, and he's got the prom with a 10-year-old 2004 F-150 
that affects all of us when you get old. No crank, no start. Mm, let's see what we can do here. Bill, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, thanks, Ron. Uh, as Harry was telling you, 2004 F-150. It's a uh, 5'4", 170,000 miles, automatic transmission. Truck sat for three days. Uh, grandson came out to start it. Uh, no crank, no start. Okay. Has not been able to get it to go since. Um, the dash lights come on, and it does have a factory security system. Is but that the light is not blinking? The light's not blinking. Okay. First, right. th- first thing I want to do. There's a couple of things that are common uh, to this bill in that they have issues with a couple of things. Go out to the injectors, the red wire at the fuel injectors, which is battery voltage. Do you have okay. full battery voltage at the red wire at any of those injectors with the ignition switch in the run position? Okay. If you don't... I don't know the answer to that. Right. And if you don't, all right, take a look at fuse 34 in the central junction box, which is the one under okay. the dash. Is it blown, missing? Yeah, we were is just it... a... Right. Okay. Um, fuse 34... Um, is main power uh, running from the ignition switch in the run. Also check fuse 28 to make sure it shows power with the ignition switch in the on position, in the run position. Okay. All right? If if 34 is blown, what typically happens is take a look at the fuel pump driver module, which is going to be in one of two places. Well, I'm going to say one of three, but I doubt it's in the third. I, I, I usually find it in the rear of the truck, inside the area of the rear taillights, left or right, okay? Uh, once, right. In a, once in a blue moon, I find it for some reason in the A-pillar kick panel on the passenger side, but, you know, not likely. I, I think you're going to find it in the rear of the vehicle. That wiring harness that goes to the fuel pump driver module, which is what caused Fuse 34 to blow, melts or gets road contaminant on it, and you'll find the harness melted. And it becomes an issue, and that's all of a sudden the truck goes into a crank or no crank, no start, just like you've got. Okay. All right, but those Ron, those are the things that. I would look at. All right, sir. Thank you for uh, thank you for your help, and congratulations on your twenty fifth. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it, and uh, we can look forward to another twenty five. We're hoping. Let's go over and talk to Don, Lake Placid, Florida, and see what's uh, going on here. O five Buick Rendezvous. Hey, Don, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help? How are you doing, Ron? Yes, sir. Um, I'm an old retired mechanic, an old guy now. <laughs> Man, listen, I'm catching up uh, to you. So, but that's okay. I got an okay. 05 Buick. You there? Yes, sir. I got an 05 Buick Rendezvous with the 3.4 in it. Right. And I got a vibration in this car, and it goes through the whole, like the steering wheel, the front fenders, you can feel it. You can feel it even if you put your hands on top of the front tires. Okay. And I just, uh, I unhooked the serpentine belt, you know, to eliminate the alternator and all that. Right. And that didn't do anything. So any, I just wondered if you ever ran into it or had any Yeah, let's, let's talk about this uh, um, real quick, Don. Any check engine light on? No. Does the check engine light work? Yes. So you turn the key to the run position, not starting it, you will see service engine soon, and then it goes out after a couple of seconds. Correct. Okay. So, and always important just to make sure you'd be surprised how many cars I talk to people about and they go, I think it works or yeah, it works. And then they find out they, <laughs> no. they go into bulb no. check and they, the bulb's been burnt out for two years. So I had a little more experience. Yeah. No, no. Just, just checking. <laughs> just checking. Yeah, I know. No, I no. understand. So you have a scan tool? 
No, I don't. I've been out of the business now since uh, 03. Okay. Uh, I retired at age 65, so I sold everything I had with the business. Good for you. Um, (laughs) You you escaped. Um, You know, obviously, and I don't have to tell you this, but let me just say for everybody else's benefit, I I would be thinking about motor mounts, and obviously I can't feel the vibration from my seat here, but anytime we're dealing with a vibration, you know, is the vibration worse in gear? Does it change in drive versus reverse? Does any of that have any effect on the vibration, or is it is it a consistent vibration truly reflecting how the engine is running, regardless of gear position or whether or not it's in park? Fair yeah, st- it does it. It does it in any position at all. I've tried all that stuff. I did have the. I guess it's got like struts in the back of it. I I can't get under the car anymore at my age. Right. But, but I uh, took it into a shop here about two years ago. And the motor mounts were bad because the engine, when you'd put it in and out of gear, was rocking, you know. Right. So I had, I guess they're like a strut thing or some type. And uh, so I, supposedly they replaced those. And, it, I mean, they must have because it quit the rocking. They repl- but I was thinking. They replaced what, the mounts? You mean, oh, well, you're talking about they changed the torque strut. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What about the regular engine mounts themselves? No, they didn't change those, no. All right, so what if we do the old school, put it in drive, and gently step on the gas, one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas. If we power brake it, do we see signs of a broken motor mount? No. Okay, and we we don't see anything in reverse either? No. Then the next place I'd go is once we know the engine is, is mounted properly and insulated properly, the next thing I'm going to have to ask is I'd want to go in with a scan tool and start looking at fuel trims. Do I have it? You know, I've got an engine that's not setting a check engine light, but is I'm going to make an assumption, which is a dangerous word on family radio, that that I've got an engine that is physically running rough. First thing I'm going to go look at, one of the most telling pieces of information any mechanic can pull out of a car today is fuel trim. If, if, if 0% was that balanced air fuel mixture you and I grew up on with carburetors, then I want to see where's fuel trim. Is it is it beyond 10% in any one direction? I would not be surprised if it was way negative. I wouldn't be surprised if this car had a bad fuel pressure regulator that was sporadically seeping fuel, causing it to run the way it does. Take a look at that, Don, and give me a call back next week and let me know what's going on. I'm Ron Annie in the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. the car doctor here 855-560-9900 i should point out that 855-560-9900 is the 24 7 number we've got a message service attached to that and if you call 855-560-9900 leave a message if this radio show is not on the air or if the phone lines are backed up whatever the case might be but if you call the 855 number you can leave a message and it's 24 7 uh if you leave a message harry will call you back talk to you about your problem and put you in the lineup and we can talk to you during the next live broadcast this radio show it's no secret is you know nationally syndicated and we're we're out on the network live saturday afternoons 2 to 4 p.m eastern time 
is when the affiliates carry us. And then there are affiliates that take us on delayed broadcast, and we appreciate that, not to minimize their effort. And we appreciate all of our affiliates for their efforts over the past so many years to support this radio show and uh, help us bring the information out to all of you. But bottom line, you call 855-560-9900, leave a message. Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and get you up here on air, and we can talk to you about your problem. And don't be afraid to come on air. You know, this radio show is all about information. We're not going to hurt you. We're not going to beat you up. We just want to uh, exchange information and uh, point out proper procedure for maintaining a car, because that's what this radio show is about, always has been about, and always will be about. Um, there's no there's no nonsense or uh, alternative plan here, 855-560-9900. I was reading an article uh, before we take go back to the phones and start taking calls again. Uh, just today, and it kind of made me laugh. AAA is doing their big battery push, and they're talking now about how they've got a uh, um, a roadside battery service. They're making a big deal about it um, with regards to installed on the spot and warranted all across North America and delivered anywhere you are 365 days a year and so on. And I said to myself, how can that be? I really, I look at that and I think, isn't that really difficult? I mean, listen, here's the deal, all right? If you take proper care of the car, I wonder how many batteries fail before their time. I wonder how many batteries are being put into vehicles, quote-unquote, on the side of the road because somebody didn't do maintenance, because proper procedure was not followed. Sometimes time just gets away from you. I had to put a battery in the Ranger this week. I'm embarrassed to tell you. Not because it died. But because it came in for its oil change and I was doing my winter due diligence checkup as I would do any vehicle, you know, we treat family vehicles the same. Probably we actually abuse them a little bit more. We tend to push them off until it's later. But the Ranger came in, the 97 Ranger came into the shop this week. I did its oil change. And I didn't even, as I'm load testing the battery, I didn't even hesitate. The battery has been in the truck since 2008. I said, wow, how'd that get away from me? And uh, going on its seventh winter, I said, no, no, let's... um. Let's put a battery in it. And we did. And, you know, kind of brought it to mind when I saw this AAA comment. How can they do that? Because have you seen where they're putting batteries lately? There are batteries. Some of the Chrysler products, the batteries are in the fender wells inside the fenders. You know, I want to call AAA and I want to have a battery put in my late model Cadillac where the battery's under the back seat and I've got all these groceries on top of it because, let's face it, the the, the battery's never going to go dead when the car's empty and it's convenient. Um, and while it's a great service, I don't disparage what AAA is trying to do. I just wonder how effectively and how legitimately they can do that. I, I question that. Is it is it possible? Uh, you know, it would be interesting to talk to them and see what sort of training they're putting their guys through because they've got to be dealing with some tough obstacles out there on the road in order to accomplish this. In 2010 beginning 2010, and some cars as early as 2008, but 2010 is where it's really going to be more vehicles across the board. Battery replacement requires battery registration. Let me say that again. Beginning 2010 model year, battery replacement on a great many vehicles will require battery registration, meaning you've got to take a scan tool and... You know, it's sort of like, you know, Art Carney, address the ball, hello ball. You've got to say hello battery, and you've got to tell the car that the battery is in the car, that it's been changed, 
and introduce the battery to the electrical system and the onboard computer. And you need a scan tool to do that. And I'm sure, I'm sure AAA and the other roadside services out there can provide that, and I'm sure they've accounted for that. But my point is, if you're doing the due diligence and using quality parts, if you're doing a battery replacement, power frame grid technology, we don't have to talk about that um, any more than we already have. We've we've always, and we've pointed out multiple times, as a matter of fact, out on Facebook, there's a conversation, there's a couple of videos on the Car Doctor Facebook page about power frame grid technology batteries and how they're made better, and we encourage you to get out there and take a look. And as a matter of fact, um, where's my piece of paper here? Um, I think it's still ongoing. Uh, right now through the end of February, you can save 10 bucks with the purchase of an Autocraft Gold or Autocraft Premium AGM battery. If you get out if you get out to PowerFrame.com, there's a, there's a coupon there, and go over to the website over Advanced and CarQuest Auto Parts. But my point is, if you're doing due diligence on battery maintenance, in theory, the majority of you should not need a battery for five years. That battery is rated five years. It should go five years. And my point is, I don't know that you want to do a battery on the side of the road. I don't know that you want to have that effort because I don't know that I would count on it simply because of the electronics and the possibility of things becoming a problem. So that being said, instead of talking about, hey, we can put a battery in a car anywhere, I want to talk to you about proper maintenance and the need for regular scheduled maintenance and what that actually saves you and how important that is to you in terms of being safe on the road. And in these days, day and age, being safe on the road is really what it's all about. So just something to think about and uh, uh, be mindful of. So let's uh, let's do it like that, huh? Let's uh, let's try and stay out of the uh, – got to put a battery in on the side of the road and take everything out of the car in order to do it. Batteries are not straightforward under the hood of a car anymore. It's not that simple. 855-560-9900. I ran a little long. Jeff in Appleton, Wisconsin. Hang on. The Car Doctor is coming back right after this, and we'll talk to you about your question. I'm Ron Annie and The Car Doctor. Don't go away. Five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero is the phone number, the twenty four seven phone number. By the way, check us out on Facebook, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Let's get over. Who's been waiting there very patiently? Jeff, I appreciate your patience, sir. A little bit of maintenance we had to do this hour. Jeff in Appleton, Wisconsin. How can I help you, sir? Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor at your service. Yes, Ron. What I've run into is when I take my car in for an oil change, I've been under the impression when they say brake inspection that they're actually doing what they're saying, a complete brake inspection. What I found is that on occasion, all they're doing is pulling off the right front wheel or just doing a visual brake inspection. And how that came to be was I took my car in and a week later, my front brake started to grind. And it wasn't my normal dealer because I needed to get my Oil changed. I had not been doing my due diligence. I had not been doing my normal maintenance routine, and now it was time to get it done now because I was going to be putting out a couple thousand miles and didn't want my oil, which I was running synthetic, to be uh, over the limit. Right. And I, 
I can't stress enough that when they say that they're doing a break inspection, that they're actually doing a complete break inspection. And, and I don't think they are, Jeff. And, you know, here's the deal, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's a fast food world out there. We want our auto repairs fast. We want them now. We don't want to have to wait. We don't want to be inconvenienced. Uh, you know, I have a friend that, um, you know, Thursday night we go out for our, uh, during the non-cruising season, we get together on Thursday nights. We all go out to eat and we talk about cars. What else would you talk about? And uh, Jeff's daughter, Kiddo, works at a local big dealership here in the area, a Honda dealer. And the conversation is about how she will get written up on customer satisfaction surveys. She's done her job. Everything's perfect. But the customer coming in is annoyed that the television channel isn't set to something they wanted to watch. She loses points. She doesn't get 100% on her survey, and she loses money. Everything's tied to dollars in a lot of auto repair situations. And my point is that when they're saying they're doing a brake inspection on those quick oil changes, regardless of where they are, you know, there are quick service lubes in Honda dealers. There are quick service lubes in Toyota dealers. There's quick service lubes out there, you know, Jiffy lubes and so forth. They're looking for money. They're not looking for brakes. And, and, and that's part of the problem. We want everything quick. This mechanic's opinion Brakes on every vehicle should be inspected once a year. I don't care if it's got 5,000 miles on it. I don't care if it's got 50,000 miles on it. I don't care if it's got 200,000 miles on it. Once a year. And it's pretty simple to do. If you're, if you're doing due diligence and performing proper maintenance every six to 8,000 miles, hopefully you're rotating tires. Combine that annual brake inspection with that tire rotation. And a proper brake inspection, and I think this is what you were getting to, and you can tell me to shut up if it's not, but I think what you're getting to is brakes have to be looked at and measured. And, and and the industry has a standard. There's actually a series of gauges that a good repair shop will have, so it's not just something by eyesight where they say, yeah, it's thick enough. How thick is thick enough? There, there's a series of gauges that starts at 10 millimeters thick, and they're color-coded green, meaning good, working their way down to yellow in the 4 to 6 millimeter range, working their way down to red in the 2 and 3 millimeter range. When brake pads are 2 millimeters thick, it's time. When brake pads are 8 millimeters thick, they're good. And and, and, and that's a proper brake inspection. But you're right. What I've noticed is because we're into, hey, I want it fast, I want it now, we're teaching people that, yeah, we look at the right front. Why? That's the only wheel that's that's making the brakes work. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a four-wheel brake system on every car I've ever seen. And if it's got four wheels, it's going to have four brakes. All four should be looked at. Did you question it at the uh, facility when, you, when they did the brake inspection? What was their answer? Okay. There were, there were a couple of actual um, oil changes because I own several vehicles. I called them back up on the last one because... It was one week from when I had taken the vehicle in, and they said, we don't do brake inspections. So I went back, and I looked at the particular sheet, and sure enough, nowhere on there did it say brake inspection at all. Okay, so this was, I want to say quick, but not quick. It was was a $60 synthetic oil change, and I got a printout of what they found, and they actually found nothing other than it was about 
a half a quart low when I brought it in. Right. And I was amazed because in the past at this particular big box store, they always did a brake inspection, whether right. it was visual or not. Okay. What what prompted the call was a couple of weeks ago you had another caller had called in about brakes, and I was ref, referring to when I had taken a different vehicle in that it also needed brakes. And when I went back to question him, he said, well, all we do is either visually look at the front caliper or we look at the right front tire. And that's when I I was just shocked that when I see the word brake inspection, I'm thinking in the old days they pull the wheels off. Well, and you know what? And to do it properly, that is how it's supposed to be done. But, you know, it's it's we're, we're living in a day and age where so many people either don't understand auto repair and proper maintenance or they claim that they do, which I think they're even more dangerous. And just looking at the right front wheel or the left rear somehow satisfies them. And it really, like I said, comes back to once a year, all the brakes, all the wheels should be pulled. Brakes should be inspected. Even if it's a four-wheel disc car, can the, do the calipers move? Do they rock? Are the slides free? Are there any signs of rust on the pads where they're resting in the bracket showing that they're starting to seize and bind? But annual maintenance has really become a thing of the past where people are putting it off more and more and just driving that car until it actually has a problem, and then maybe they decide to replace the car. Well, Ron, you hit the nail on the head. It needs to be annual maintenance on those brakes, and if people aren't doing it, I mean, they need to pay attention, and this couldn't be more appropriate for today's show. So thank you. You're very welcome. Jeff, thank you very much, and uh, you, you have a great great New Year out there in Appleton, Wisconsin. We appreciate you uh, being a listener amongst the so many. I'm Ron Annie in the car, Doctor. I'm back right after this. Here at 855-560-9900 as we kind of wind things down this hour. Keep in mind that is the Car Doctor's 24-7 number, 855-560-9900. Leave a message if we're not on the air and Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and put you in the lineup for the following week. By the way, I want to point out for Jeff and Appleton, and I didn't I didn't mention it when he was on air and for any of the other listeners, if you get out to my website, raauto.com, six letters, raauto.com, scroll over to the services tab. There's a checklist there that we use in the shop, and it's just a real simple, it's an informational thing. Feel free to copy it, do whatever you want with it, but it's just some suggested maintenance to do at various intervals and in terms of, you know, annual brake inspection maintenance, how often to do things like that and what to do at certain mileage, and it's a little old. I haven't updated it in, uh, oh, geez, forever, but it's still applicable, and I was looking at it recently, and I've got some changes I want to make, but the majority of it, I would say 85 90% of it is still spot on. And uh, feel free to use that as a guideline for what to do to your car and when. Real quick piece of email. Ron, my 98 Ranger 4.0 automatic trans, 156,000 miles, has developed a rough idle at cold startup. After sitting overnight, it idles rough for 15 to 20 seconds and then runs fine. It's got new air and fuel filters. I drive this truck back and forth to work 150 miles a week, mostly on interstate. No hesitation, misfire stalling or check engine lights. I'm thinking if I don't address the issue now, it will eventually get worse, especially in the fall and winter as I live in the northern part of Virginia. I've done some research online, and people are talking about dirty or bad mass airflow sensors or the same with idle air control. I'd appreciate your thoughts on what could be the problem, Jim. Um, 
Yeah, there's a lot to talk about here, Jim. Uh, one of the things to keep in mind is simple stuff with a scan tool. When you go to start it up cold, before you turn the engine to crank, just turn the key on using a scan tool. Look at intake air temp and look at coolant temp. If the vehicle's been sitting for an eight-hour eight hour soak, both of those should match. They should be, if not the same, they should be within 10 degrees of each other. Anything more than that, we're going to start to question the validity of those sensors. Could they be out of skew? Second, if you want, pull one spark plug before you go to start it. Is that plug fuel failed? Could we possibly have fuel dripping out of the injectors, causing it to run rough like it is? Second, is, or third, is it consuming any oil? Could we have an oil consumption issue? Could we have oil dripping down past stems and seals out of the valves and uh, causing that particular problem? So before we just jump on what the Internet says, let's do a little diagnosis and we can kind of take it from there. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya! See ya!